Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. So we're, we're answering this question, what's so special about Christmas? And uh, we're, we're choosing to answer that question um, by looking at three things. Uh, and that's what we're looking at in these series. Last week, uh, we look at the relevance of Christmas. Why is Christmas is important? Today, we're going to look at the reason for Christmas. Why did God do it? And then next week, we're going to look at the result of Christmas. What difference does Christmas make? Uh, in Philippians chapter 2, it is a very popular uh, verse in the Bible. It is not a Christmas uh, passage that that most people would consider uh, a a passage that they use around Christmas. But the Christmas story is found in these verses. And let's read it together and then uh, we'll continue. Look at what Paul says. He says, you must have what? The attitude, right? That Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, He gave up his what? He didn't give up his divine nature. Last week, we talked about that. Um, And and it is so important for us to know the right Jesus. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But Jesus did not give up his divine nature. He gave up his divine privileges. Okay? Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, took the humble position of a slave, and was born what? As a human being, we talked about why that's important. When he appeared in human form, verse 8, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a what? Criminal's death on the cross. Why did Jesus have to die a criminal's death? We know he was not a criminal. Why criminal's death? In fact, I'll tell you so that you understand um, what the cross, or, or uh, for the Romans, what the cross symbolized. In those days, there was t- three types of criminals. The first criminal was the criminal that, that could be put into prison, rehabilitated, and brought back to society. And those type of criminals, they would put in prison and then bring them back to society. But then there was the second type of criminal. The second type of criminal was the criminal that couldn't be rehabilitated and couldn't be brought back to society. So those criminals, they were made into slaves. They were the slaves that would row the boats. They were the slaves that would serve in construction. But there was a third type of criminal. This was the criminal that could not be rehabilitated. This is the criminal that could not be used as a slave. So what they would do with these criminals is that they would crucify them as a display to all the other criminals. That's exactly what they did with Jesus, isn't it? So just just so you know that. So verse 8, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. 
Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus, Christ, of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you weren't here last week, would you fill this out? I just want to make a quick recap. We talked about the relevance of Christmas. We talked about why Christmas is important. And we said Christmas is important because on Christmas, God came to earth. God came to earth. And that is a big deal. That, that God did not just come to earth, but he came to earth in the, in the form of a human. He came to earth and he took on humanity. He took on our weaknesses. He took on our issues. He took on... What, what you and I go through. And, and, and it is amazing that God would not just come to earth, but that he would come to earth like you and like me. But today, I want to talk about why did he come down? Why did he do it? I mean, I don't know if last week, as, as I was sharing the message, you thought about, like, why would God do it? I mean, why would Jesus take humanity? He didn't need us. He didn't have any need of you or me. Why would he do it? Would he abandon his divine privileges and come and die a criminal's death? So we want to talk about that. And that is the reason for Christmas. And let me, let me tell you the punchline ahead and then we'll just develop it. The reason God did it, the reason Jesus came to earth is he came for your benefit. He didn't come for his benefit. There was nothing for him to gain. He came because whether you need, knew, knew it or not, you needed him to come. And you may not realize it. And there's a lot of people that don't realize that they need Jesus. But Jesus knew that you and I would need him. He came to earth. And he came for your benefit and my benefit. And the Bible gives us at least four reasons Four benefits of why he did it. Let's look at those. Number one, <coughs> you can fill this out in your outlines. The first benefit is that Jesus came to earth to show us what God is like. Jesus came so that you and I could know what God is like. Look at what John 1.18 says in your outline. No one has ever seen God. By the way, let me, let me make a little pause right there. And let me say that um, uh, if you feel a little bit confused because you, you say, Pastor, sometimes you use the word God, sometimes you refer to the Father, sometimes you refer to Jesus. Like, how does all that work? Well, that's the doctrine of the Trinity, right? One of the things that we're going to do next year on a Wednesday is that I want to teach uh, uh, a whole teaching on the, on the Trinity. And I want us to look at it. It's something that, that we need to understand and, and many Christians don't understand. Uh, so I just wanted to throw that commercial in there. Um, but look at what it says. No one has ever seen God. God the Father, right? But the one and only Son. So no one has seen the Father, but Jesus, who is himself, what? God, we saw that last week. In his enclosed relationship with the Father has made him known. And then John 14, 8 says, Philip said to Jesus, one of his disciples, Lord, show us the Father. That's all we, we ask. Jesus said to him, I have been with you all this time and you do not know me yet and you see that capital me 
Philip is asking, we want to know God. And Jesus is saying, I've been with you and you still don't know God? You still don't know me? Look at what he says then. Whoever has seen me has seen what? How can you say, this is Jesus still talking, show us the Father? Because Jesus was saying, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, here's something that, that, that you know. Everybody has an opinion about God. Some are crazy. And if we're honest, some are really stupid. But everybody has an opinion about God. Everybody has a God they believe in. I've heard people say, well, uh, I believe in a God who only sends you good vibes. I believe in a God that is very different from the God most Christians worship. I've heard people say, I don't believe in a God who sends people to hell. I actually had this argument with one person. They said, I believe in a God who wants me to be rich. And listen, when you go outside in nature, there are things that you can learn about God. The Bible tells us that creation testifies about God, that, 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 that we can know certain things about God by looking at nature. For example, by looking at nature, we can tell that God is creative. God is creative. God, God is not boring. By looking at nature, we know that God is powerful. When you look at the waves, the wind, the rotation of the earth, the stars, we know that God is powerful. By looking at nature, we know that God is organized. Because there's order in the universe. There's order in creation. By looking at creation, we know that God likes varieties. Because there's a lot of varieties. Uh, don't laugh at me, but um, w- one thing that I've been noticing lately, lately um, is the, all the different types of squirrels that there are. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, you know, but um, I was in Michigan a few uh, months back and the squirrels out there are black. You know, we have gray squirrels here. Uh, this uh, Thursday, Friday and Saturday, I was in Ventura and they got some squirrels there that don't have a fluffy tail. And then the squirrels in Mexico speak Spanish. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> but, but the thing is that, it's like, really, do we need all those different varieties of squirrels? Can we just have one squirrel? And listen, we know that God likes variety by looking at nature. We know that God likes beauty. God loves beauty. If you've ever seen those passages, whether it's the ocean, the mountains, the city, it's what God created. And listen, these things about God, we can learn by looking at nature. But some of the most important things about God, we would never know if it weren't for Jesus. I'll give you an example of this. If you were to move into my house, if I were to move out of my house and you were to move in, there's some things you can learn about me. By just being where I lived. You would know that I'm a Dodger fan. You would know that we don't usually have sodas in our house. You would know that we don't buy DVDs anymore. That we use a lot of digital streaming. You would know that, that uh, blue and gray are my favorite colors by looking at my closet. There's things you can learn by living where I am. But there's things about me that you would never know unless you relate it to me. 
And that's what Jesus came to do. See, there's some things about the Father God that we do not know, that we wouldn't know if it weren't for Jesus. So the first benefit of Jesus coming on Christmas was to show us what God is like. For example, nature doesn't teach us that God is loving. We know that because of Jesus Christ. Nature doesn't teach us that God is forgiving. We know that because of Jesus Christ. Nature doesn't teach us that God has a plan for your life, that you are not an accident. We're put here on earth for a purpose apart from Jesus Christ. He lets us know what Christ is like, what God is like. If you want to know God, you got to know Jesus. In fact, look at what this verse says in Colossians 1.15. Christ, and that's Jesus, is the visible image of what? So we know that the Bible teaches that God is spirit, right? And it says Christ is the visible image of what? The invisible God. That's why Jesus is so important. Because you cannot know God apart from Jesus. And if you know Jesus, then you'll know the Father. So that's the first benefit. The second benefit uh, of Jesus coming to earth um, after showing us what God is like is second, to show us that we can really trust God. To show us that we can trust God. Can I tell you something that maybe you are not um, consciously aware of, but it's so true? All of us, we are looking for something or someone to trust. Here's why. We need stability in our life. You marry the person that you married because somehow you told yourself that you could trust them. And if you're having marital issues, it's probably because you're not trusting each other as much. Some of our issues with our kids are what? Trust issues. Well, what are you doing out till one in the morning? I know you're not evangelizing, so what are you doing? You know, they're not out there cleaning the streets. They're not out there painting murals, you know. Um, you don't trust them. And, and listen, trust is a big, it, it's a big thing in our lives. And we need to trust God. And that is what Jesus came to do. Look at what John 14, 1 says. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust what? Also in me. In order to trust somebody, you got to get to know them first. And in order to trust God, you got to get to know God first. And since Jesus came to show us what God is like, he also came to show us that we can trust God. If you don't trust God, it's because you don't know him. Because the more you know him, the easier it will be for you to trust him. And those, those of us that, that we've learned, by the way, did you know that the word believe is also the word to trust? To believe, and by the way, in the gospel of John, this is one of the reasons I love the gospel of John. In the gospel of John, the word believe is always an action, not just a, an idea or a statement. When John uses the word believe or that they had faith, it wasn't like this declaration. It was an action. Right? And, 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 and the more you get to know God, the more you'll be able to trust him. 
And if you don't, if you have a hard time trusting Jesus, God, it's because you really don't know him. I want to ask you some questions, not, 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 not to condemn you. I'm not looking to condemn you. I'm looking for you to reflect. Do you trust God with your finances? Pastor, how do I know if I trust God with my finances? You tithe. Do you trust God with your kids? Do you trust God with your future? Do you trust God with your emotions? Let me tell you something. If there's someone who will never fail you, it's God. But we still have a hard time trusting God, not because he's not trustworthy, but because we don't know him. And Jesus came to let us know that we could trust God. Third thing, third benefit. When you put your trust in God, here's here's what happens and here's what Jesus came to show us. Jesus came to show us how to really live. Jesus came to show us how to really live. John 1, 4 says, speaking about the word, speaking about Jesus, he said, in him was what? Life. That truth is, the truth is that without Jesus, we are not living. We are just existing. And most people are not living. They are just existing. They're automatic. They're robotic. They're routine. And there isn't satisfaction. There isn't joy. There isn't purpose in their life. Most people in America get up in the morning. They go to work or they go to school. They come home. They watch TV. They eat dinner. They sit in the couch. And then they do it all over again the next day. And they do it again the next day. And they do it again for 20, 30, 40 years and they come to the end of their life and they never fully lived and true life is found in Jesus because he is life one of the most powerful famous statements that Jesus made was in John 10 10 when he says my purpose or a reason I came is to give them a rich and satisfying what Life. Church, listen to this. Christ didn't come to give us rules. He didn't come to give us a religion. He didn't say, my purpose is to create a new religion. My purpose is to come, let people know what they need to do and not do. He said, no, 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 no. I came to give life and give life in abundance. Listen, when you understand that that is the purpose of Jesus, you'll understand why he says what he says. When you understand that what Jesus wants in you and for you is for you to have life, rich, overflowing life, when you understand that and embrace that, you'll understand why he said, hey, when somebody slaps you, put the other cheek. If somebody asks you to go one mile, go two. Pray for those who, who, who curse you. Pray for those who persecute you. Why? Is Jesus trying to make us religious? No, he's trying to make us full of life. He's trying to get the bitterness. He's trying to get revenge. He's trying to get anger out of us because those things won't let us live life. And Jesus said, my purpose is to give them life. And listen, until 
we get serious and surrender our life to our creator, we won't really live. The more you surrender your life to Jesus, the more life you will experience in every area of your life. Let me tell you, it's something that is so evident about the Gospels is that and everybody that came in an encounter with Jesus was changed. Some were changed for good and some, because of their hard hearts, were changed. But everybody was changed. One of, one of the result elements of knowing Jesus is changing your life. And let me tell you something. If you've met Jesus and your life hasn't changed, I have bad news for you. You've met the wrong Jesus. Maybe you've met your version of Jesus, and you haven't allowed the word of God, you haven't allowed Jesus to show you the real father, the real God. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. Well, pastor, if Jesus came for us to have life, why is it that Christians still suffer? He never said we wouldn't suffer. But he did say we could have joy in tribulations, and that's life. Paul says we're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Why? Because of the life that Jesus infuses in our lives. Number four, the fourth, fourth benefit. Jesus came to earth to show us that there is more to living on this earth. He came to show us, fill this out in your outline, the way to heaven. He came to show us the way to heaven. <clears throat> in December, around Christmas time, we celebrate the birth of Jesus on that manger. But the truth is that Jesus didn't stay in that manger. He didn't stay in the crib. In fact, Jesus was born to go to the cross. Jesus was born to die on a cross. And now the question has become, well, why would he do that? Why would God come to earth in the form of a human and die on a cross for you and for me? Let me tell you why. And it's really simple. Why Jesus would take on humanity, come and live like us, come and live with us, and then die a criminal's death. Here's why. Simply and powerfully because he loves you. Because he loves me. Because he loves your mother-in-law. Because he loves your rebellious child. Because he loves your annoying neighbor. Jesus came and he died on the cross simply because he loves us. And at the cross, you could have asked Jesus, Jesus, how much you love me? And Jesus would have answered by stretching out his arms and letting those nails pierce his hands and his feet and say, this is how much I love you. Now you're saying, all right, pastor, well, well, that's great, but, but, but what does that have to do anything with Jesus loving me? Well, Look, look, look at this verse with me. In John 1, 4, verses 9 and 10, look at this. God showed how much he loved us by what? By sending his son into the world so that we might what? Have eternal life through him. Okay, but, but, but how does Jesus coming and dying give us eternal life, give us access to heaven? Well, here it is. This is real love. 
that God sent his son as a sacrifice to take away what? Our sins. sins. You want to know something about your neighbor? They're just as sinful and guilty as you are. We're all sinful. We've all sinned and we're all guilty. And listen, when you break a law, you need to pay the punishment of breaking that law. When you break a human law, you need to pay the punishment of breaking that human law. When you break a God law, you need to pay the punishment of breaking God's law. Look at what this, I know you know this verse, Romans 6, 23. Look at what it says. It says, for the wages of sin is what? Death. So when you sin, when you break God's law, you deserve what? Death. Because he's God. He sets the rules. And he said, sin leads to death. If you disobey me, if you do the opposite of what I have established, that is called sin, and that deserves death. And look, that's what Paul is saying. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to this. Jesus Christ came to earth to die For all the things that you and I have done wrong. He came to die for our sins. Have you ever cheated? Or better asked, when was the last time you cheated? Have you ever hated somebody? Have you ever stolen anything? Have you ever treated another human being like they're not created in the image of God? Have you ever lied? Have you ever coveted something that is not yours? You've sinned. And that sin does not allow us to be with God. But because Jesus loves us, he took on humanity and he died on the cross to pay your sins and my sins so that we could be forgiven. Listen to this. There's a famous, or not famous, but popular uh, expression in the secular world. And it is believed <coughs> that all roads lead to heaven. All religions lead to heaven. Have you ever heard that? Especially if you're in college, I'm pretty sure you've heard that. All religions lead to heaven. All religions, they're different, but they have the same end. Let me tell you something. All religions promise heaven. But only Jesus leads to heaven. And he came for your benefit and my benefit so that we could know the way and so that he could show us how to get to heaven. And here's what he said in John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the way to God. I am the truth of God, and I am the life of God. No one comes to the Father. If I were you, I would ask you to underline no one. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one can go to heaven except through Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the only perfect sacrifice that takes away your sins and my sins. You've heard around this time 
that expression that Jesus is the reason for the season, right? You, you've heard that? And you know, that's true. It's obviously true. What we celebrate, what we celebrate, the reason we celebrate Christmas is because Jesus came, he came as one of us, and he came for our benefit. And that is absolutely true. But I want to teach you something deeper than that today. And that deeper thought is that you are the reason for the season. Jesus came because he knew you and I needed him. Yes, Jesus is the focus of Christmas. But the real reason Jesus came was because you and I needed him. God would not have wasted the efforts. God would not have given his son if he did not know that you and I needed him. So in Christmas, we celebrate Jesus. But the deeper reason for Christmas is that you and I were in need of forgiveness and a savior. God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. So God, what is the reason for Christmas? God came to earth for my benefit, for your benefit. Now listen to me, I'm almost done. I want to go even a little bit deeper on that thought of God came to earth for my benefit. God came so that you could have forgiveness so that you could know God, so that you could trust God, so that you could, could go to heaven, and so that you could have life. But Jesus came to earth for you. And once you put your trust in him, follow with me, he leaves you here for the benefit of somebody else. I know you've heard me talk about this, but why is it that God doesn't take us to heaven the moment we accept him as our Lord and Savior? That's our ultimate destiny, right? It doesn't get any better than heaven. So why doesn't he take us right away? You know why? The biggest reason is because he leaves us here for the benefit of somebody else. And I want to tell you about the power of that. I want to tell you a story about a man that you do not know that has blessed your life. This man, you've never heard his name. You don't know what he looks like. You don't even know where he lives. You weren't even in, uh, aware of him in any way after today or before today. You may know this or may not know this, but uh, I, was, I was born in Mexico. Uh, we, uh, me and my brothers, we, we, we were all born in the city of Aguascalientes, Mexico. That's about the center of Mexico. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful um, place. Um, and uh, the reason I'm telling you this is because I recall being about two to three years old when my parents were getting ready to give up on their marriage. Both of my parents came from very dysfunctional homes, homes where there was abuse, where there was neglect, where there was addiction, where there was um, verbal uh, uh, abuse, and, and it was just dysfunctional. It was broken. It was unhealthy. The future awaited my parents as a couple and that awaited me and my brother, my other brother at that time as sons was not a good one. And I remember at about three years old, um, there was a, a loud knock, a loud bang on the door. 
And I went to go open the door. And when I opened the door, my drunk dad fell face flat first to the floor. He was drunk. And I remember that him and my mom were arguing. I can't recall everything, but I do recall that they were arguing in the other room and my mom had asked me to stay in the living room with my other brother. At that time, I was about three and my other brother was about one. And I remember them arguing and I remember just hearing and seeing my dad packing his stuff to leave and he wasn't going to come back. Did you picture what I waited a broken, dysfunctional, hurting, betrayed mother with a three-year-old and a one-year-old? Could you picture their future? We were poor. We weren't educated. And I remember seeing my dad leave drunk and angry, but he left only to come back later that day at night with a stranger that we didn't know. And he came back to tell my mom that while he was out there, he met this guy named Gregorio, Goyo for short, who told him about Jesus, who told him that Jesus could forgive him of what he had done wrong and restore not just his life, but his marriage. My dad, at that moment, desperate and broken and hurting, decided to accept Jesus. And that brought so much joy to his life that he told Goyo, he told Gregorio, he goes, would you come back with me? Could we go to my wife and tell her and see if she'll accept Jesus too? I remember there was a second knock and When I opened the door, it was my dad and this stranger. They spoke and my dad told my mom that he had accepted Jesus and that he was sorry for drinking, for the infidelity, for the neglect, for the absence. 30 years, 30 plus years later, they're still married. 30 plus years later, in our family, because they were the first ones to accept Jesus and to get connected to the church. 30 years later, there are over 100 members of our family who have come to know Jesus. There's pastors, worship leaders, missionaries, us on that one night when my parents needed somebody to tell them about the hope and the way of Christmas they did this guy this brother Gregorio by the way I called my dad this morning to to um, ask him to give me a few more details about his encounter with Gregorio and my dad used to work 
um, in a bodega, uh, a warehouse. And uh, he says that, that he, he went back. Well, he had no other place to go, so he went back there. And this other guy, Gregorio, would go to that warehouse to buy uh, uh, food or to buy vegetables for the church he attended. And that when he was there, that's where he encountered him. And, uh, uh, you know, Gregorio didn't allow the busyness of his life the fact that he did not know my dad, the fact that, that, that maybe he needed to do something to stop him from telling my dad about Jesus. They connected, my dad and my mom connected to the church where they felt loved, where they were able to know about Jesus, where they were able to grow in the Lord. 30 plus years later, with this man, Gregorio was willing to do just tell somebody who needed Jesus has yielded so much fruit that the reason I say he's blessed you without you knowing him is because I believe that if he had not told my parents I would not be here today blessing your life here's what I want to ask you to do I believe that that story needs to repeat itself over and over and over and over again. Because we see people in our community, you have family members who are broken, hopeless, dysfunctional, and lost, and they need Jesus and they need the church. And I want to ask you to do this, and I put it in a quote because I really want you to see it, not just hear it. I want to ask you today, Will you be the person my parents needed that night to someone this Christmas? Would you be for someone this Christmas what Gregorio was to my parents that one night when things were coming to an end? And the, reason, the way you'll do that, I thought they were going to put the quote up there, but maybe I didn't give it to them. There's a couple of things I want to ask you to do. I want to take a page from John and put our belief to action. There's three things I want to ask you to do this Christmas. One, in your bulletin, we've put this flyer. Would you take that out? Would you hold that in your hand? On one side is in Spanish and on the other side is in English. Uh, We wanted to create one flyer as one church for our English congregation and our Spanish congregation. And here's the first thing I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to invite everyone you can to come to one of our Christmas services. We're going to have two of them, Saturday at 6 p.m. and then Sunday at a regular time. (coughs) We have enough room and we want to create more room for people to have a seat to sit down. Listen. I know what some of you guys are thinking. Pastor, I've already invited people. And and I know why we don't like inviting people. Because we don't like rejection, right? When you invite someone or you tell someone about Jesus, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. So you leave that up to Jesus and them. But I want to ask you. There's people that are so lost. They're so in darkness that they cannot see the light and the life that you're inviting them to. And our job, the reason Jesus left us here, is for the benefit of others. And one of the ways we could do that is by saying,
you come with me to church. We're going to have a special service. Afterwards, I'll treat you to dinner. But bring them. Because you just never know if one of these services honors them with Jesus. So we're going to be putting these in your outline, in your bulletin, this week and next week. Please, don't see it as a dumb, stupid flyer. See it as an invitation for somebody's life, for somebody's eternity to change. Let me tell you something. I know you're probably saying, but pastor, my life is not where it needs to be. So if I invite people, you know, it's not going to make sense to them. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Let Jesus handle that. Okay. So church, we're going to have two services. I believe we can pack both services with people that need to hear about the message and the life forgiveness that Jesus came to give us this Christmas. We've been promoting it on Facebook. Let me tell you something about promotion. Promotion only works to inform people, not to draw people. People come when they get personally invited. You're probably here because somebody personally invited you, right? Whether it was a family member, a co-worker, somebody, somebody told you, hey, you should come to church. You didn't come because on Facebook you saw some posts about church service. You came because somebody invited you. Somebody else will come because you're going to invite them. So I want to ask you to help me pass these out. We're going to find a day, and we want to go out to our community, and we want to invite our community. We, we cannot forget that God came to, on Christmas for our benefit, and he has left us here for the benefit of others. That's one thing. The second thing I want to ask you to do is that since we're having two services, we need extra help. Right? We need extra help. You probably think, oh, there's enough people. No, there isn't. You can talk to the main leaders, and they will tell you, we're always struggling with people. So we've put a few ministries in there. Uh, For example, ushering. The ushers are the people inside that help you sit down. The greeters are the people in the hallways that are greeting you and should come in after the service starts, but they kind of stay out there. Um, Okay, only a few people got that. The parking people are the ones that kind of guide you as well. The welcome center is is a place where the visitors can receive their gift and their information. Uh, We have a cleaning crew. We have a cafe. How many of you guys enjoy the cafe? Okay, only a few people, but I see everybody in there. Okay. There's the kids check-in. Um, there's being a, a, a kids a TA. You can help by being an assistant teacher. Or you can be a, a kids a supervisor who just kind of supervises the classes. So what we want to ask you to do is, listen, if people come to church, but they don't get a smile, they don't get a good service, they're going to leave with a bad impression of the church. And I want to tell you that every single one of you, every single one of you has something to give to others. Whether it is walk down this hallway or thank you for coming or here's your coffee or thank you for dropping off your kid. He'll be safe or whether it is vacuuming this place. We all have something we can give to make Dayspring a more welcoming place for those that will come this Christmas. Listen, we need your help. When we ask people to volunteer, we aim for them to volunteer one Sunday per month. One Sunday per month. So it's not like you're going to have to do it every Sunday. One Sunday per month. So I want to ask you, if you believe that we can reach people and that every single one of us has something to give, 
I want to ask you to get involved. If you're already serving in a ministry, keep serving in the ministry. I'm talking to those of you that are not serving in any way, that you come and this is your home and you enjoy being here, but then you leave and you disconnect completely. Will you start investing in your home church? Will you start helping your home church be a better place? And here's some practical ways that you can do that. And if you say, Pastor, none of those work for me. Put your name, put your cell phone, and then say, I need information about other ministries. We'll give you information about other areas where you can serve. Amen? Amen. So we want to invite people, and we want to be able to serve them when they come. And then the last thing. Um, if you know me, you know that I don't talk a lot about money. I don't like to ask about money because I know churches have a bad reputation, but I'm going to do that today. Okay. Don't worry. I'm not going to empty your pockets and ask you to give a sacrificial offering. I'm not. Here's simply what I want to do because I have to be a good pastor. I have to be a good steward of the church. During Christmas, I am conscious that we have extra expenses, right? You want to get your mother-in-law a nice fake diamond ring, right? Um, I, I, I get that. You want to get your kid's gift. You you, you want to travel. That's great. That's great. Don't stop doing that. All I'm asking is don't forget about your home church. I can say this very transparently. You know that we are a church that loves to give. Most of the events we have, we have them for free. Now, you're smart people. You know that nothing's free, right? It's not like we went to the 99 cent store and said, hey, guys, we're a church and we're going to build families together. So we're going to all these um, things. And uh, thank you so much for them. Because they would have called the cops and you would have had to go get me out of jail. So all I'm asking you is to do this. If you are not contributing, if you are not contributing, would you start contributing? Would you start giving? If you're new, please forgive me, but I I don't always do this, but I need to do this today. Not everyone in our church gives. Less than half the people in our church give. But I think we all get blessed, don't we? I'm not charging you. I am not charging you. If you're saying, after this, I'm not coming because now they're, I'm not charging you. What I'm asking you to do is to invest, to help us make day spring better. So, if you're a giver, as you buy Christmas gifts, as you go on vacation, don't sacrifice your giving. Keep on giving. Keep supporting what we're doing. If you're not a giver, I want to encourage you. I want to invite you. I want to ask you, would you start investing in the place that I believe and that you know that is a blessing to you and that will be a blessing to others? Do you, do, do you, you hear me, church? Does that make sense? You're not going to get hurt, right? You're not hurt. Oh, pastor asked us for money. I'm not asking you for money. I'm not asking you for a special Christmas offering, although if you want to do that, I won't stop you. But I'm not asking. All I'm asking is, if you're a faithful giver, keep giving. If you're not, would you start considering, would you start trusting God in your finances and saying, I believe that Dayspring has been a blessing to me and I want it to be a blessing to other people. Amen? We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? 
Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.